ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WYOK. We are back. It's been three weeks since my butt's been in this chair. I don't know who missed it more. Whoever had the over-under at three seconds for <laughs> how long it takes Derek to say the word butt. And you can collect your winnings. <laughs> Just to think about it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we are definitely back. <laughs> so that was uh, Matt from Massive Beer Reviews, my wonderful <laughs> co-host, and uh, George. George just wanted me to say George from George. I don't know. From what... next to Matt. There you go. Yeah. George sitting next to Matt here in the studio. <laughs> it's an honor and, uh, and privilege. <laughs> Billy is uh, recovering and probably still cleaning up from parade day at the L House yesterday. Yeah, doing doing Billy things. Yeah, I uh, I do not envy any of that. Like the, the post-cleanup from parade days, I... Thankfully, have never had to be involved in that one because that's just not something I think I'd want to witness. I've never gone to the parade ever. It's been I, quite some time since I have. I, I will say yeah. that it's it's a very small window for most people. I think I worked downtown for many years, so I've been there for it, yeah. but I'd actually never attended it, and I think that is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's always fun for our, our non-local listeners. Uh, we're talking about the Scranton Parade uh, is a big known uh, event. That involves a lot of alcohol and kind of just in I don't know divulges into who knows what. There's there's a video going around online. You can see some of the things that it divulges into. Yeah, right I've now. always associated mentally to like the the Walmart version of Mardi Gras. <laughs> but, I mean, that's just me. You could probably coin Walmart Walmart Gras about uh, it. Yeah. It's terrible. I know. Yeah. Well, their lawyers are calling you right there. Cease and desist on its way. <laughs> All right, so let's get into a little bit of beer news. Uh, there's been some things happening since we have not been around. Uh, one of the things I wanted to cover, and we we discussed this once before on here. Uh, if you remember the crap. Brewers Guild up in Massachusetts had been basically found guilty of a pay-to-play type situation and were being told to pay $2.6 million, and that was what they wound up uh, going after them for. Now, uh, as of last week, like late last week, early this week, they made an announcement that they are going to sue the Massachusetts regulators, questioning the process that resulted in that happening. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a ballsy move, I will say that one. It's a, it's a soap opera, man. The whole thing from top to bottom. The fact that they got called out by their by one of their own yeah. distributees, or I guess yeah. you would say. And it's weird that you know, pretty things goes under right before all those things kind of come out. <laughs> if they, if there was, maybe they saw the writing or like not, or maybe they got blackballed because they 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 named names. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know. It's just a. It's weird and very interesting to me. Yeah, so I don't know where that one's going to fall. I don't think that's going to be anything anytime soon that's going to settle because that, that's something that's going to have some ripple effect throughout the industry because that's stuff that's been going on by the, the macro breweries for quite some time in a lot of states. In fact, that's what led to a lot of the laws being passed in a lot of states that affect craft brewers now. Um, so that's not going to be anything that settles soon, but it'll be interesting to see where that all falls into place. Uh, now, another thing happening in Massachusetts, uh, this is be good news for a lot of people who remember we had Treehouse Brewing on the show uh, a few months back. Uh, really phenomenal brewery. And when we had Dean on talking about like the, the wait to get their beers is into the hours most of the times because people just get there so far ahead of time. And they're standing there waiting and there's such a high demand and they cannot even keep up anywhere near to the demand of that. Uh, but they announced that they are going to open a new facility 
in Charlton, it's going to be a 45,000 square foot facility. Uh, it will more than double their overall brewing capacity. And what's even cooler is they're going to have a tap room there so you can kind of hang out and have a couple beers. Because right now, the way it is, it's just real turn around, fill up your growler and get out or grab your cans and get because they don't have the space for you to hang out. So they want to have this nice facility so you can hang out with everybody. And and, and, uh, and the weird part of it is if you actually go look at the blog post that they wrote and mm-hmm. they kind of go in depth, they're still saying this is not a move for distribution wise. This yeah. is so we can make the beer we need to make yeah. and be a little bit more, make more interesting beers and not just make a few select beers. Yeah, even when, when Dean was on there talking, like saying like, you know, they have this high turnaround. They just keep putting the beer out, but they're still, they're not making any like huge amounts of money on it. Like he even said, he made the comment of like, yeah, I still struggle to pay my rent every month. So it's really just trying to keep up with the demand and because they really, they care about what they're doing. And that's what's most important. And that's what really shows through with them. And even the facility, they have a nice little mock-up on there too on the yeah. announcement. It's a really cool looking thing. So I mean, they're really into all this. They're planning 2017. And this just kind of shows you how crazy the whole situation is. They started in 2015, uh, 650 barrels of cellar space with, an, I guess, the new place, or well, originally started with 650. Anyway, and they're going to end up uh, with uh, 30,000 barrels worth yeah. of space. So, in that short period of time, to do that is just amazing. Yeah, and then and the thing that's great too is even when we talked to them last time, they had just doubled their production, and it didn't affect quality. Like they're they're understanding of that because that is an issue for especially some of these smaller brewers when you ramp up the production like that's going to affect unless you really have it honed in yeah. and to go from I mean, what he said that they were basically brewing out of their kitchen <laughs> type thing yeah. and they had to get a facility to kind of have a place for people to go and then now they're at the it's like you, it's a real quick learning curve that they're going through and it's awesome it's great for them and you know definitely we'll be making a pa- uh, stop up there to see the new facility all right it's getting a couple of new beers are coming out uh rogue has their new cold brew ipa it's a coffee ipa uh heavy Seas has a Tropicanon Tropical IPA coming out. Uh, Stone has reintroduced their uh, collaboration beer, the one they did with Dogfish and uh, Victory, the Saison Dubuff. Mm-hmm. That's coming back onto the shelves. Uh, and I actually just had this this week from from lovely George. Rushing Duck has their new baby elephant back on draft up there. Oh, yeah. And I love that beer. It's a great session IPA. Yeah, me and uh, me and George made a little um, um, pil- pilgrimage up to, uh, what is it, Chester, New York? Yeah, and Russian duck, and it was really nice. And then headed down to Warwick and hit off old Eddie's. Yeah, good time. I wasn't yeah. able to get that one because work it sucks. Yeah. And then uh, one more beer I want to say because I it's it's Oscar Blues, and they never let you down with their money, their uh, names for their beer. <laughs> and what they have, they have announced that it's going to be getting into cans. Their new one, Money Shot White Wit Wheat. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So they're gonna that's one's going to be coming out. So they never let you down. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I mean, embrace it, man. Just yeah. go, all, you know, <laughs> whatever to the wall with your names. All right, so what we have this <laughs> week on the names, kind what, of. We, what we have this week on the show is, uh, and I remember before our break, we had another Oregon-based brewery. Uh, we talked to Fort George, and this week we have another Oregon-based brewery in Portland area, uh, Breakside Brewery, and we're talking to their brewmaster, Ben Edmonds. So before we get into any of that, uh, we have one of their beers in our glass now. Their first one, this is their lunch break ISA, an India Session Ale. So this is just another Session IPA, but just really nice. It's at 4.7%. Uh, really good hefty dosing of hops. And it's only, uh, I'm looking on that thing, it's only 28 IBUs. 
but it kind of shines through. It's like a really bright, super easy drinking IPA. And that's what you know, we said when we had Fort George on with everything. The, the key to having a good session IPA is that it, it drinks more like a regular IPA. Like you're not tasting a session IPA. Yeah, you get a hef- hefty dose of hops, but you're still getting a decent kind of like nutty kind of malt out of it. Um, and it's all in balance and yeah. low ABV. The thing actually... Um, I see here is their bottle label art is pretty awesome. This one, I haven't yeah. seen the others oh, yeah. yet, but uh, I'm digging these labels too. So, yeah, it's great beer. Now, they, they've really started to get a, a huge following out west out in the Oregon area. And that's, I mean, that's one thing I want to get into with him is just the whole, that scene, especially in the Portland region, like what that's been like. Cause, I mean, that's, you know, for everything that goes on, you know, people like to make fun of craft beer people that are like super into it and the, the hipsters and blah, blah, blah. And, and that, uh, kind of title is really central in that area <laughs> and and no, I'm not saying it in a negative way it's just like that's really where a lot of that is I mean that that's an interesting area to be really doing all these things and they've been like winning medals I mean they're they're not just a brewery that's trying to do something different to cash in on the area or whatever which you know I think now we saw that bubble start to rise up with breweries just kind of opening up for the sake of opening up a brewery. And I think some of that's starting to kind of shake up a little bit now because as breweries are making like like breweries like Treehouse are making these transitions into being real large functioning breweries that are getting this demand. Some of the smaller ones that were operating, like if they didn't make that shift, they're starting to kind of hit and fall by the wayside a little bit. Well, that and, um, like, we were talking about Treehouse, um, it, it, Portland is kind of like the New England of the West Coast when it's coming to uh, yeah. breweries and beer. It's it's the more newer, creative, you know what I mean, inventive area of the West Coast when it, newer, exciting beers are kind of coming out of. There's so many new breweries popping up out there making exciting, awesome beers. I just got a beer mail from um, someone that um, watched my reviews, and he sent me a bunch of stuff from out Oregon Way, and a lot of it's from Portland, and it's a lot of amazing stuff. So yeah. there's so many good beers coming out of there now. Yeah, and it's, it's awesome, too, because it's also a region that's pretty rich with, like, some of the brewing history, like having, like, a dish. Dist- like in your backyard yeah. that's been doing stuff for quite some time. So it's you have this really nice mixture of, you know, like Rogue, like some of these breweries that were around for a long time that have a tradition and a past with them. And then you have this mixture with all these new up-and-coming breweries. So it really has this great groundwork laid for these newer breweries to kind of tap right into and work with and collaborate with and have an idea of what uh, is demanding in that area too already instead of just kind of going out there and trying something not that it's all about business I mean that's I mean most of the time I, I don't think there's ever been a brewer we've had on here that's been like yeah I did this because I wanted to cash in <laughs> I, I think most of the ones we've talked to have been like I'm still waiting for my first paycheck <laughs> so I think that's kind of more uh, of the the common thing that's going on but you have this great understanding and it's a really cool mixture too to have those two things going on that, that there is a rich history there that you can kind of grow with and tap right into as you're opening up some of these newer breweries and working with it, and especially in like an area like that where people are looking for something new and different. Yeah, I mean, and that is, you know, the whole, we've talked about it ad nauseum, the whole, you know, welcoming of brewers to new brewers, the community as a whole, you know what I mean, from old school. Yeah. Dudes are probably helping out the new school guys and just everybody's doing great things, making good beer, and, and that does not suck. No, that's what matters most is that, that at the end of the day, you're going to have these collaborations between the breweries working with one another, but you want to have uh, an understanding that it's not a competition. Like That's the cool thing is to kind of work with one another doing these things and not getting to be like, well, I'm going to one-up you. Like That's that's the whole thing that the, uh, what is it, like the uh, 
disciple surpassing the master type. Yeah. Like that's not really what this is about. Everyone's kind of working together with it, which is a really cool thing to have and to see all those things going on with one another. But all right, right now, Matt, grab this a little bit because I got to do something really okay. quick. I'm sorry about it. So yeah, um, we're cracked into this. What do you think about this, George? What do you think about this beer? That's nice juiciness to it. I could definitely see myself drinking a bunch of these on like a nice summer day. Yeah, no. Um, I dig it. Uh, it's definitely West Coast for me. It's a lot more West Coasty style stuff with nice pine notes. And um, the malt actually comes through. And like the lower ABV, uh, IBUs with the actual like um, balance of the ABV, I don't know. I just dig it. So anyway, we're up on Rushing Duck on Thursday. And. Uh, we're trying to get those guys to come on the show, and it seems like it's going to be a little bit harder than uh, yeah. No, we got be. we got to rope them in somehow. But uh, yeah. I I would love to get them on, get the people to listen to uh, the show, and maybe they could spend a Saturday and go there. It's only an hour and ten minutes. It's a great round trip, and we're going to try to get Eddie from Eddie's Roadhouse to come down <laughs> onto the show when we do that. Maybe we're trying to plan that thing. But anyway, he's always a fun time. He is. He's All the right. best. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to have Ben. Edmonds from Breakside Brewery, their head brewer, brewmaster on the phone, and we're going to get into a lot of these great beers with him and a lot of the rich history that's been going on in that area. So stay tuned. We'll be back here on the Beer Geeks, WYLK. If your credit card debt is out of control, if you're in over your head dealing with monthly payments, there's a powerful secret that credit card companies don't want you to know. If you have more than $5,000 in credit card debt, you have the right to settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. That's bad news for credit card companies, but it's great news for you. We're Credit Associates, and we're offering you free information on how to virtually eliminate your credit card debt and make your monthly payment affordable. To see how much you could save, call now, 1-800-700-4315. Don't declare bankruptcy. Give us 10 minutes, and we could save you thousands. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. Credit Associates, live better debt-free. Find out how easy it is by calling now. For the secret the credit card companies don't want you to know, call Credit Associates now and see how much money you could save for free. Call 1-800-700-4315. That's 1-800-700-4315. I'm William Boyd from Mertztown. I'm a grain and dairy farmer and some hay. I think the first time I bought crop insurance was in 1999, which was the year that Pennsylvania had a drought and the Midwest didn't. That was the first year I bought crop insurance, I think at the minimum level, 50%. And that paid off for me for $40,000 after, I think it was a $2,000 payment. Anyhow, that gave me, you know, seed money to go the next year. Now, more than ever, each producer is personally responsible for developing a crop insurance and NAP-based risk management plan for their farms before the enrollment deadline. Contact your FSA office or crop insurance agent and set up a meeting because this time it's your responsibility to develop a plan that protects against the next disaster before the March 15 deadline. For more information, visit cropinsurancepa.com. Sponsored by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf, Governor. Did you know a dirty CPAP system can make you sick? If you knew what could be growing in your mask and hose, you might not sleep so well. But now, SoClean.com has released the world's first and only automated CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. It kills 99.9% of all CPAP germs, and it's completely hands-free. For a limited time, you can try SoClean risk-free for 30 days. 
Just call 1-800-901-9633. SoClean changed the CPAP experience for the better. My health has improved. It's simple to use, and I'm not worried about infections. SoClean destroys CPAP bacteria, viruses, and germs with no hassle. Never have to clean your machine by hand again. There's no water, chemicals, or disassembly. Just pop in your mask, close the lid, and presto. Your CPAP system is clean and fresh in minutes. Call SoClean.com to try it risk-free at home for 30 days. This is a limited-time offer only available by calling 1-800-901-9633. That's 1-800-901-9633. Oh, we always catch ourselves on Golf Garden here because we start chatting. And <laughs> All right. So we're back here in WLK, the Beer Geeks. And uh, joining us on the phone right now, we have Mr. Ben Edmonds, brewmaster, at Breakside Brew. Ben, how you doing today, bud? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, not a problem. Hopefully the, the time change didn't throw you off too much because I know you're out there. You're probably feeling like it's 8 in the morning. <laughs> uh, that's fine, but, you know, brewers start early in the day, so oh, it's, uh, true. I'm, it's not, nothing I'm not used to. <laughs> so, Ben, what's, like, your story with all this? Like, how did you wind up getting into brewing to begin with? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm one of those guys who was a, you know, home brewer who's gone pro uh, and sort of fits into that mold. I was a home brewer for many years, went to, um, eventually decided that I wanted to kind of try and make my hobby into my profession. Uh, enrolled at Siebel and did the Master Brewers program there. Uh, that was about seven years ago. And when I returned back to Portland after that, I got a job in the beer industry. Um, I met the guys with the town of planning Brookside and we kind of developed a relationship. I worked for a little while at another brewery in Portland called Upright. And, uh, you know, when Breakside opened, I took over the pub brewery, uh, we just, which we still use, a three-barrel kind of nano system, um, but really nicely done little pub system. Mm-hmm. And I've just grown with the company since then. So what was it that kind of got you into this? Was it like a, a beer you had? Were you doing some traveling or something? Or what, what was it that sparked the interest in home brewing even? Oh, you know, I was a beer fanboy for a long time, even before I was uh, a home brewer. So, yeah, you know, I think that it was sort of a more general interest in uh, local food and drink. Um, you know, I found that when I would travel places, uh, especially on the East Coast, you know, there was a, this was probably 15, 18 years ago, there wasn't a ton of, like, uh, you know, seasonal farm-to-table restaurants that hadn't really hit the mm-hmm. hit the scene at that point. But brew pubs were reliably somewhere where you could go in in a small town and get a sense of place and feel like the uh, restaurant itself was committed to that community in a lot of ways. It was representative of that community. Um, and I think my interest in, in brewing and beer started uh, that way. And it just kind of uh, escalated, as you might say. So now, are you, are you from the Oregon region then, or...? Uh, no, I'm a Midwest transplant to okay. Oregon. Did you move out there for the, the brewing industry then? Is that, was that like your first Yeah. Time? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, long story short, I, you know, I've, I lived in, in Michigan, lived in uh, Colorado for a while, and now Oregon. So now, when did Breakside first open their doors? We, uh, we opened May of 2010, okay. and we opened initially without a brewery installed. It wasn't until about later that fall, September, October, that we actually uh, received our brew house, uh, installed it down in, in the basement of our, uh, what's still our flagship restaurant, and started brewing there. Um, so the first brew uh, of ours really started rolling out that fall around just before Thanksgiving of 2010. So it was a brew pub initially, is that what you had said? 
Correct, yeah. We have a, a full brew pub, which we still run. The restaurant's still open. Uh, it's a great restaurant. We still brew on the little system there. We do about 300 barrels of beer a year, kind of our R&D brewery at this point. And then we, in 2013, opened our production brewery. So and what, what kind of volume did that did give you guys when you guys wind up moving into that? Uh, well, we, you know, we had been making about 600 barrels a year on just the pub system. The first year we jumped into production, we did about 3,500. Uh, that was in 2013. In 2014, we jumped to about 8,000. And one last year, we were right at uh, 15,000. Wow. So the one thing that's interesting is just the whole like region of, of Portland and what's been going on in that. I mean, how has that been like seeing that being kind of in the, I don't want to say war, it's not like fighting with each other, but like seeing that like from, from a firsthand perspective, that scene grow, like how has that been to, to kind of witness that? Well, what's incredible about it is that when I moved here, you know, in 2008, 2007, sorry, uh, it it already was a beer lover's paradise. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people, Portland already had the reputation of being one of the best beer cities in the United States. And I, I always thought that it wasn't because, you know, just that there were a lot of breweries because beer itself was so, craft beer was so ubiquitous. You would find that, you know, you go into the, the local uh, 7-Eleven and they've got two cooler doors full of locally brewed craft beer. And that was something I hadn't experienced anywhere else. And it's just the depths to which you would see the craft beer permeated the culture in Oregon and in Portland in particular was really impressive. And so we already thought we, you know, we thought that we were riding, the, we were at the high point of that wave. And what's incredible is that it's just kept growing. Um, you know, breweries have popped up and everyone seems to, at least for the time being, be doing great. And obviously we've had uh, a lot of success in our growth. So um, it, it's almost kind of awe-inspiring to see how much uh, how dedicated people are out here to their yeah. uh, Oregon brewed craft beer. You have so many, you have old school giants like Hair of the Dog and Deschutes and, and you, new guys like you guys and Ecliptic and stuff like that. And then you guys get the uh, Braft, uh, Craft Brewers Conference or the Brewers Conference this year. What was it like having all those brewers in one place? Is it just like craziness or there's just mad sign tree going on? Like what, what was it like? Uh, it was fun. I mean, it was a real blast. I think the city showed really well as far as a, a beer destination. You know, I think. It had been 12 years since CBC had been hosted in Portland, and the scene in Portland had changed a lot. I mean, really different. And I think that the uh, it, was, it was a good time to bring the national industry in, put the spotlight on Portland so that people could see exactly how, uh, how far we had come in the last 12 years. But at the same time, yeah, it's a lot of work because you're still running your brewery during when people are here. So, you know, I kind of like doing it in other cities better because you, uh, you, you, you get to... The one who's visiting. Yeah, here, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, you're doing you're doing two things at once. Yeah, house parties are nice when it's not your house. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Now, one of the things, like, being in Portland, I mean, it, Portland has a reputation for being very, um, like, they, they continually want new things, I guess is the best way of putting it. How does that affect, like, having the brewery there with what's going on with what you guys are doing? Like, are you answering to the market a lot, or is it just kind of become naturally part of what you guys are doing as a brewery? Yeah, you know, there's a, there is a huge kind of what uh, I think Bob Widmer likes to call it a, a promiscuity around beer drinking in this town. Um, and I, I think it's kind of a bellwether for things that are happening nationally. People, you know, love brands and breweries. They want they want to have, uh, you know, they want the beers to change up a lot. And, you know, I come, came, like I said earlier, my, I was inspired initially 
buy brew pubs. Um, and even though I run a production brewery, I still at heart am a, am a pub brewer in a lot of ways. And part of the thing that I love about the brew pub model is that it's this kind of big tent approach. You know, you have 10 or 12 beers on tap and you can cover this wide range of different things. Um, and I think that that's, has always informed how we brew. We've always been one of those breweries who does a ridiculous number of releases per year, and I think that that caters to uh, the kind of um, uh, drinking deficit disorder, you know, ADD <laughs> of the, uh, of the con- contemporary beer consumer. Um, and frankly, it doesn't bother me in the least. You know, I love it, actually. So do you, like, speaking of, like, you know, you had this passion for brew pubs and how you got into it, um, was there, like, a foodie background for yourself? Like, did you have some kind of background before you got into all this? Uh, no, no, I was I was uh, in education before I was brewing, so um, it's all just kind of, uh, it's always just some stuff that I'm really into. I mean, I love cooking. One thing about Breakside is that, you know, one of our core values is that we don't just look to the world of beer for inspiration, but to the sort of wider world of food and drink, um, so cocktails, the wine world, and, and we've done a lot of work with different chefs. I think one of the beers that you guys uh, either have taste or will taste, Toro Red, is a collaboration beer with one of the more highly regarded uh, restaurateurs in town here. Wow. So you guys, distribution-wise, you guys are uh, pretty much just uh, kegs and, and bombers, right? Correct, yeah. We'll be rolling out uh, uh, six-pack sometime in the next 12 months, but uh, we're not quite, we, we don't quite have that plan hammered out yet. And it looks like, I mean, your distribution is kind of, you're concentrically kind of expanding outside of Portland. Do you plan to kind of push out as far as you can, or you're just trying to just, you know, the more you a little bit reach a little bit further and just see where it goes, or? Yeah, I think for us, it's a, it's a mix of kind of digging deep as far as we can into our home market while also strategically growing out to particular specific markets. You know, right now, we're... Oregon and Washington are clearly our two best markets. We just entered Northern California. Um, we send beer to Hawaii, which has been a good market for us in British Columbia. Um, we're also, you know, small markets for us are Idaho and the Front Range of Colorado. And I saw that uh, here. You, uh, I saw we're that also sorry. go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> we're also going to be sending beer out to. Uh, we are going to start sending a little bit of beer just a couple times a year out to Boston, New York, just to kind of hit the market, you know, it won't be a full-time thing, but it'll mostly be draft and yeah. probably send beer out, you know, three times a year, four times a year. Nice. Um, I see you actually dipping into Canada. That's pretty cool. A lot of breweries kind of steer clear of Canada for a while until they kind of take over the whole state states area. Uh, how is that? Yeah, Vancouver, I mean, we're really we're really limited to Vancouver and British Columbia. We do sell a little bit of beer in Alberta, but, you know, Vancouver, B.C. is basically... Uh, you know, Portland of the North, so it's uh, the same market, effectively. <laughs> so, all right, we have in our glass now some of the Breakside IPA. Now, what, yeah. When did you first brew this beer at the brewery? Uh, so, Breakside IPA was, that's one of our oldest recipes. We probably first brewed that beer November of 2010, uh, and it's our biggest selling beer by far. It's, you know, it's what keeps the lights on for us. Now, has that been going back a little bit? I know it's not that far, but there's always issues with hops. Has that changed at all, really, from the, the start, like the recipe, just because of hop uh, availability? You know, on, when we were on the pub side uh, in those first couple of years, we did have to change the recipe. I mean, there was kind of an ideal recipe, and then we would take whatever we could get and track hops down and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but by the time we grew into the new the new brewery, we had, uh, you know, I, I sort of, 
contracting hops pretty aggressively pretty early on. Um, so we've been very fortunate to have a, a steady supply of key varietals that we need for all those all those beers. So when, when did you guys first start bottling this then? Uh, gosh, that would have been probably May or June of 2013. So is this like one of the first ones you started putting out to, to distribute outside the, the brew pub? Yeah, that and our pills. I mean, at that point, we had our production brewery up and running, so we were sending a lot of draft around Oregon and uh, at that point. But, uh, yeah, that was the first bottle that we sent out to market. And the one thing that's really nice, it has this balance to it, but it's not, um, I mean, like, you guys are in Oregon, but still considered West Coast. But it's definitely, it, it's not really too West Coast leaning. So what was kind of like the, the inspiration for you as you were putting this together with the hops? Like, what were you looking to get out of this? Well, you know, I think there is kind of this balance of it where it's supposed to be, I, I wanted to pay tribute to the Northwest IPA as it exists, you know, as it existed for us, but also to bridge it with some new hops. Um, so Citra and Chinook are the two main hops in that beer, and I think that it, uh, you know, it, it isn't as uh, high alcohol or as uh, light-bodied as the, I guess, the San Diego-style IPA, but I think it fits pretty squarely into the kind of yeah. Oregon and Northwest uh, tradition of, of those IPAs. So now, what is it for you as a brewer? What do you look at as being like the, the quintessential great IPA? Not not necessarily like a specific beer, but to you, what, what do you want out of a great IPA? Like what should it taste to you? I think it's got to be balanced. I mean, I, I really appreciate, uh, you know, you need, you need to have obviously substantial hop flavor and aroma. They have to be really distinct. I think they need to be focused, but then it needs to be balanced with uh, a lot of, uh, some balanced malt, uh, the alcohol has to be right, the finish and bitterness, the water profile has to snap. I mean, all those things have to fall into place. And um, I've always wanted to ask this question, but I never did. How do you or even the bulk of the West Coast brewers feel about the super hazy and filtered Northeastern, Northeastern United States style IPAs? Is it you're, <laughs> you're interested in it or is that something you're kind of like, okay, this is a little bit too far out for me or it's more like you, you're so, um, you're so, uh, tied to your own identity with your West Coast style stuff that it's like, I don't know. I've always wanted to get an opinion from somebody out West. Yeah. You know, I, I find, uh, it's funny because I've been out to the East Coast a couple times in the last year, Boston and New York both. And, um, you know, I've had, had a number of those beers. I've been up to places like Bissell Brothers and had the Treehouse beers. And, um, one of my good friends, uh, Vasily Glessis left Oregon to go and be that production manager at Hill Farmstead. So, to get a decent supply of, uh, of those beers. And, uh, yeah, you know, for me personally, I find the, the haze to be pretty visually unappealing. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I really struggle with it. Um, I think that it, that as the way, you know, I think that I want craft beer to be more refined, not less refined. Um, and I, so that's, that's kind of the knock on it. That's that. I mean, I think that the, there's a lot of things that those beers offer in terms of mouthfeel, in terms of yeast profile that can uh, spark some real interest, you know, some, some things to learn and to take away. So there's definitely elements of those beers that I really appreciate, and it's definitely informed the way that we're making some of our beers, uh, but we're trying to do it in a way that you know, definitely maintains a little bit more of the bitterness than I think you see in the East Coast versions as well as... Yeah. Um, just keeping them keeping them as bright as we can. Well, I hope I make it out there one day so I can have this conversation off the radio because I feel hesitation <laughs> in, in your response and very calculated words. So, uh, no, I get it. I do. And I just always wanted to know because it just seems like 
like there's a lot of copycats out here in the east when those kind of hazy ones kind of dropped and stuff. But it feels like a lot of the West Coast breweries have uh, almost gone the opposite direction to make sure they don't make them because they feel like it's I don't want to say a gimmick, but like you said, there's a there's a there's a there's a uh, tried and true kind of style and, and and substance to an IPA. Yeah, I mean, I think to some degree, like the East Coast versions to me seem almost like they're responses against the old school East Coast IPA, you know, the base malt, very heavy bittering hop, big C60 malt character. So, you know, the goal is going to make these very light, very juicy, underbittered versions of IPAs. And it it seems like, I'll be interested to see where that trend even on the East Coast goes. uh, I'd be surprised it doesn't balance out a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, what we've had so far, we had the uh, lunch and the we're having the IP, the standard IPA now. And, like, both of them, guys, like, you have just absolutely killed them. And they're just phenomenal. And we have a couple more coming up we're going to have. Well, but, thank you. But I really thank you for taking the time to give us a call in this uh, early morning, even more early for you due to the time clock. <laughs> but I uh, really appreciate it, Ben. And it was a really great time talking, talking with you. Yeah, pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the beers. Uh, and, yeah, uh, cheers. Not cheers. Cheers. cheers, brother. Have a good weekend. Yeah, you too, bye. So, another phenomenal brewery. It's great. To, you know, I didn't even think about that. We, we talk about that all the time after the air. Like, I wonder what they think of that, and then we just... We yeah, I've never them. asked, and I was yeah. like, I gotta... I, you, you almost don't want to ask it, because you don't want to put people on yeah. the spot. And uh, the way he was talking, I could tell... And he's a good, he's tell, a good one to ask, too, because he has, he has very good IPAs, so he yes. has a great understanding of this style. And I, I got a vibe that he was going to be able to tell me what he wanted to say without being offensive about yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why I asked it in that particular case. No, the, the, the beers we've had from them have been absolutely incredible, and I can't wait to get in a couple more. Um, but it's just great to see like a brewery. Like you said, like Breaks IPA is like one of their biggest sellers, and it's easy to see why. It's just super, super easy drinking. Like This is definitely a very crushable IPA that you could have. It's 6.2%, I believe. Yeah, or 6.8%. No, no, no ABVs in their bottles, as far as the first two I've seen. Here. Oh, really? So, yeah. Just, uh, I don't know if that's a conscious thing they do, but... Uh, but with us, even uh, it's an hour earlier for us. That's and, true. But, and these are going down easy. So Oh, extremely. <laughs> so it'll be a good time. But uh, we're going to take a break now. and we come back, we have a couple more beers to finish up with. So stay tuned here on the Beer Geeks, WYLK. The second annual Northeast Pennsylvania Women's Leadership Conference will take place on April 21st at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Featuring multiple tracks, this conference offers valuable sessions for all ages and career levels, from executives to emerging professionals. These sessions, coupled with lively panel discussions and presentations by renowned keynote speakers, will help you tap into your personal power and identify the tools and resources you need to succeed. Space is very limited, so register today at ScrantonChamber.com. Rockin' your soul for more than three decades, and they just keep getting better. Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes, live at the Scranton Cultural Center, March 19th at 8 p.m. Tickets start at $32 and are available at the Scranton Cultural Center's Fidelity Bank box office or by calling 570-344-1111. Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes is sponsored in part by Toyota of Scranton, LT Verastro, UGI, and the Hilton Scranton. If you're suffering with sleep apnea here's the breakthrough you've been dreaming about now you can finally travel and sleep in total comfort anywhere without having to drag around a big bulky cpap device it's transcend the world's first portable mini cpap device and right now you can try transcend and enjoy 10 nights of restful blissful sleep absolutely risk-free call mini cpap.com now 1-800-900-6125 
Transcend is as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound, giving you the freedom to sleep in total comfort anywhere you are. For even more freedom, you can add a battery that's as tiny as a deck of cards. Transcend is so small and so light, you can fit it in your briefcase or purse to use anywhere you go. It's FAA compliant, too, so you can even sleep comfortably while flying. Now you can enjoy the freedom you've been dreaming about. The freedom to sleep comfortably everywhere. Call minicpap.com for your 10-night in-home trial. 1-800-900-6125. That's 1-800-900-6125. If you were born with a wrench in one hand and a second wrench in the other, then CarQuest Auto Parts is for you. If you alternate your alternators, then CarQuest Auto Parts is for you. If when asked to see a picture of your baby, you show a picture of your car, then CarQuest is for you. That's because CarQuest is for those who really know and care about their car. With well over half a million quality parts and accessories, CarQuest is serious auto parts. Visit CarQuest.com. Easter is right around the corner, and now is a great time to visit John Stopey Candies and grab delicious chocolates for that basket. John Stopey Candies offers a great assortment of Easter candy, from rich milk chocolate bunnies to coconut clusters. And of course, it's world-famous peanut butter chiffon. John Stopey Candies, Easter Bunny approved. Located at 17 North River Street in Plains and now in Taylor at 354 North Main Street, just two doors down from Act Out Theater. John Stope Candies, over 65 years of making sure the Easter Bunny has the most delicious handmade chocolates. This is WILK, powered by Sherwood Chevrolet in Tunkhannock, PA. Stop by Sherwood to view full lines of Buick, GMC, and Chevrolet. We take two weeks off. Yeah, we, we and then we, it's a we, cluster. Yeah, and we forget that there's like commercial breaks and we have to come back from them. And <laughs> we're, in deep, we're in conversations <laughs> yeah, we're and the light going. pops on. <laughs> oh, which could be a dangerous thing. It might get us all in the trouble at yeah. some point. But uh, no, another another great interview. Uh, and you know, this brewery, I absolutely love them. And it was kind of one I stumbled upon and started hearing good things about. And I really want to get to know more about them. And it's awesome to see what they're doing and how they're growing. And like, it's. You really see the, the passion coming through in their beers, too, and especially, you know, the IPAs. I mean, that's what we've had so far. We have two other ones after this. But what we have in our glass right now, this is their Wanderlust IPA, which is their Fresh Hop IPA, which I'm always intrigued to see how brewers treat these beers um, because it's just really what do you want to get out of it? Like, what do you want that Fresh Hop to come across as? And this still has, like, a really nice balance, and it's still, like, almost kind of creamy smooth to it. Yeah. Um, I've said and, this. And on- clear. I want to say, I just but it's it's very clear. Yeah, and that was the point I was going to get to is that like when we did um, Fort George and we were doing these guys yeah. and other West Coast breweries, a lot of time uh, the words that I continually say or most often say is, is crisp, clean, and really well made. And that is a lot to do with the unfiltered, hazy Northeast yeah. where there's a lot of great mouthfeel and a lot of great flavors, but you're not getting that crisp. Yeah drinkability that you get from the West Coast beers. It doesn't have that dry finish that you, like, it kind of makes you want to go back and have another. Not that you don't want to have another one of those, but it's just that that, that juicy quality can kind of almost make you very filled very quickly, like, just kind of overwhelm your palate, where it's just very large and open. This is very small, refined, and just attacking, kind of. And where those um, unfiltered ones, they kind of coat your mouth, and they linger for a very long time. Not that this doesn't have flavor on the back end, and it doesn't last, but its finish is clean, and it's crisp, and it's it's more drinkable. 
Yeah. Than these heftier, unfiltered counterparts over the, over on the East Coast here. And just this is like a really bright, like I, I really like the the hop character it's coming through because it's not overly bitter, but it has this kind of blend of all these different things going on where it's not too much into the pine, it's not too much into the tropical fruit, it's not too much into the floral, but it touches on all of those in a way that it's present enough to taste it, but not to have one dominate and become, you know, we've all had citrus bomb IPAs or pine bomb IP. Like it, it's nice when you can have that walk, that delicate balance and get, especially out of a fresh hop, it's a little more difficult to kind of make sure you get that balance with some of those things because it can kind of take off a little bit on you in a different way. Yeah, it's 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 such a when he was talking about the differences, I and that's all that's in my brain right now, and that's all I can think about. It's uh, it's just fun to see because it is. I don't want to make it sound like a hoity-toity thing, but there's more of a, hey, this is how beer was, even though we're doing different things and we're new hops and being more creative. There, we're still sticking to traditional. Um, uh, recipe styles, not yeah. going too crazy, whereas East Coast is more like a monster truck rally. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that to finish off. Curveball. That's what I do. <laughs> Wild card. <laughs> oh, but no, it, it's not, it is, it's very, if you're comparing those two, because it's, it's weird because for the longest time we've always had the discussion of East Coast versus West Coast IPA. And, and this introduction of the, the New England kind of hazy IPA has changed that discussion in, in a different way where it's like when you're saying East Coast, what do you mean? And then because it, it's drastically different from what it used to be because it, it used to be very either East Coast malt forward. Pine, it was pine versus citrus. Yeah. There you go. It, it, was, it was malt forward with citrus and it was, you know, not as dry finishing versus yeah. like a very pine heavy bone dry finish. Yeah. And like those were the two differences. Now you have that thrown in and it's changing a lot of people, especially on the East Coast mainly. I mean, especially after having conversations with Brewmaster on the West Coast and you kind of get that vibe from a lot of them. And I don't think it's necessarily that they don't like it. And I don't think it's even one of those like, well, it's different. I don't I don't know. I'm scared. Like, it, it, it's not that at all. Yeah. It's just. It's it, more like traditional restaurant versus food truck. Yes. It, that's, the, yeah. that's the mentality. Yeah. And like, that's what they've known. And that's what they enjoy. And that's what got them into that style to begin with. Because, I mean, that's what we have to remember is, as brewers, you know, they're not necessarily just making stuff up when they're putting recipes together. There was something that they had that they inspired them that they, uh, changed something in their palate that they wanted to, to have themselves. Whether it was, you know, 20 years ago or two days ago. That's what a lot of it is, is when they're putting stuff together. They have an idea of what they want something to taste like. Whether it's another beer or just a specific flavor. So when they have those traditions built in, like into their you know, memory palette, it, it's going to have an influence on these new things that come about and, and have uh, contradictions sometimes with what they are. Memory Palette sounds like a really I, crappy band it, name. It's a, it's a prog rock <laughs> I band. I think they played that's, the prog rock band week. from uh, Egypt. That's <laughs> they, no, it's total '80s like laser sex, like electro, like Duran, <laughs> knock off Duran Duran. Memory Palette. It's a Duran Duran okay tribute band. <laughs> I would go see them. Uh-oh. Oh God. Anyway, yeah, it was okay, but uh, no, it, it's it's great. Like uh, the three IPAs that we have had so far have just really shown. That he knows what he's doing with IPAs, first of all. I mean, yeah. they, they really, and that's what they've built their name upon. That's how I stumbled upon them was just coming across that with everything else. It's just, there's so much there. And then we have two more we're going to work through. I got to get this one out of my glass first. 
Chug. But yeah, I mean, Portland in general, like, um, like if you go on the internet and just look up OregonCraftBeer.org and you actually look at Portland's Portland's map of beer. It's it's just bonkers, crazy. Yeah. How many breweries? I, I, they're not numbered, but there has to be like within a, a half an hour to an hour drive, like fifty breweries, Jeez. which is insane, insane. Think about it. And here's the thing: there's a bunch of great ones. Um, a bunch of these I got, like I said, from random people sending me beer. I've had over time, and there's like Cascade is there. Hair of the Dog is there, Rogue is there, Deschutes is there, but then you have all these new blowing up kind of breweries, and it's just it's definitely a place to visit if you're in the beer. Ooh, this one. So now we have in our glass now where we're getting out of the IPAs. This is their Toro Red Ale. Now this is one he said that was like a collaboration, uh, but it, it's it's a it's it's an amber ale. It's it's definitely like you, you know when you pour it, you can see it, but it has this nice chili bite to it. But now when I'm when I'm saying that, like the the spice chili, not like <laughs> food chili, but like it's got this nice spice bite. But it's not like a, a lot of beers that that get into doing these with the spices really just beat you over the head with them to the point where it's it's almost like not enjoyable. But this is just it's really subtle and it almost has this kind of like. Um, Smokiness into it with everything. It's just, it's really. That's what I was. Uh, that's what I was going to say. When you work with chilies, a lot of times in food, you pretty much can do it two different ways. If you work with the chili straight and you cook with it without charring it first, you're going to get so much heat, it's going to tear you up. Yeah. But when you char it, one way it or off, another. Yeah. <laughs> either at the beginning <laughs> or the end, it's going to happen. Uh, but if you if you char it, if if you char the pepper. You're going to get that kind of spiciness without the overt heat. And that char is going to bring some smokiness with it. They said they collabed with one of the local, like, uh, chefs in the area or yeah. something. And that's what I'm getting from this is kind of like that charred kind of pepper vibe. And, this, and just having, just taking a couple of sips of this, like, you, you do immediately think of, like, this would be really good with, like, a nice hearty meal. Like, you can tell this has, like, a, a food identity behind it that kind of when they were putting this together for it because there, there's certain beers where people have collaborated and and worked kind of food like ingredients into it but it doesn't it, it almost drinks as its own dinner type thing like you, you almost can't think of something else going with it because it's almost too complicated I guess is the way of putting it and, it, and this is still very light and refreshing yeah. it's not heavy it's not like when I think of a lot of chilied foods or peppered foods a lot of times they tend to be a bit Dense, yeah. I guess you would say, with this, I'm, I'm, I honestly just tasted this. Now I want to leave here and I want to go eat seafood. That's what's popping in my brain right now. <laughs> I want some seafood, and that might happen. But it's nice to have this because of that. You know, we've had a lot of spicy beers that are just like I don't even know why they exist, kind of thing. Well, it's like challenge beers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like that's really the only thing it is for is is uh, a lot of them are mainly I feel brewed to be jokes to play on other people <laughs> because <laughs> you just give it to someone and like oh what I is tried, this just I, try it. I tried what, what was the one from what was it Stone uh, oh, Punishment yeah and then I tried to get George up in New York when we went up there they had Ghostface Killer which is like the worst <sighs> one ever yeah. yeah. It was only like three bucks a bottle. I was like, George, you need to get that beer. Um, but <laughs> it wasn't fall for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Typically, uh, uh, when I like chilies in my beer and I like heat in my beer, I want them in a milk stout because I want, what I want is that lactose Balance, to, yeah. to, to, to hold back the heat, to give you that, ooh, this is going to hurt, but it never comes because yeah. of the lactose. This is a different kind of chili. It's, yeah. it's a spice in almost like a saison kind of way as opposed to like an overt heat. And it's interesting having it in like a red ale because that's, you know, a lighter bodied style that you would almost think 
that the heat is going to take off on it. Yeah. And like that, that's what the issue with a lot of them is, is yeah, they throw in a ton of chili that's, you know, it's just too much chilies in there anyway to, to do everything because they want that. Like that's, you know, when Stone did that punishment, that was the intent and they, yeah. they loved that. They made videos on people trying it, but it, it's just, it's funny to watch that, but it's, it, I don't, and look, don't get me wrong. There are people that are probably listening to this that saying, I love those kind of beers. I love those beers. They're not even spicy enough for me. Yeah. And that's fine. I'm glad I don't live with you. Yeah. <laughs> that's totally <laughs> those, fine. Those, those people are on lists. Yeah. <laughs> and they're watched after. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, that that's fine. And then there's a lot of that stuff that's cool. But I think for the general public, like, you want to have beers that people are going to get something out of. Like, if you gave this to someone that was just kind of getting into craft beer, they would pick up on the spiciness, but they wouldn't be turned off by it. And that's true. This is a very approachable beer, too. Mm-hmm. Even and it hardly... You ever say a chili beer is an approachable beer, yeah. but it is. You yeah, know? it's it's you know when you find a beer that has stuff like this or like a nice barrel aged one that are still approachable, like that's really something to gravitate towards because you can always kind of have that to go to, which is a nice thing because you want these flavors a lot of times, especially with foods and things like that. But a lot of times you get them and it's 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 nowhere near something like this where it's balanced and easy drinking. And you also you know if you have a friend that you know is into certain things like this. The thought of it being in their beer if they're not used to craft beer is kind of off-putting to them. So if you gave them something that's super aggressive up front, even if they like it, they would get put off by it at certain times. I've seen that so many times. People try something. This is awful. This is disgusting. And then after a little bit of time, they try it again, and they don't dislike it as much. And then another time, and then all of a sudden, now they love it yeah, because their palate adjusts. But you don't really ever want to put someone in that position where it's like awful the first <laughs> time. <laughs> well, it's sometimes you do. But sometimes you do. If you, just yeah, for fun. It, yeah. But in general, if you want to turn people on, you don't. Um, and, it, and it's weird. Like, uh, I'm not a big... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? I'm not a big seasonal beer guy. Like, yes, I'll drink darker beers sometimes, but I'll drink beer whenever. Um, yeah. But this is hitting the spot. All these beers with it now creeping into spring, and um, everything's kind of, you know, it's warmer, it's nicer. This is These are the beers I want to drink right now. Nothing too heavy, stuff that I kind of just want to drink and enjoy without having to be bogged down or, or kind of being like, oh, my God, I just drank a meal in a glass kind of beer, <laughs> especially at 11 a.m. or 12 a.m. Well, we're, we're getting into a little bit of that one now with the, uh, you know, too much in a glass. But th- this is their, uh, I'm hoping I'm saying this right, the Fitzcarraldo. This is a barrel-aged. Now, uh, this is a Belgian strong dark ale. That was aged for 18 months in Knob Creek bourbon barrels. Uh-oh. So this is kind of why I think they only do really at the brew pub and at the brewery you can pick up. Um, but there's just a lot, like just one whiff of this, like you really get all this. <laughs> there's a barrel involved. Yeah, you, you definitely, it comes right through on you. And there's like, there's so much right there front and center. But it, it's just, it, it's nice when you get that aroma. But the thing is, it's still not dense. It's still not heavy. Ooh, wow, it's, yeah. it's, it's a rich beer. It's It's sweet. There's a ton of barrel involved. That's the main um, character here. It's, it's still is a. It's definitely still a Belgian dark strong. Like yes, it still definitely stands up. It hasn't been taken oh over God. by the barrel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, George just had his first. Sip. Yeah, George has to go <laughs> to the bathroom. Kick in the face. It was awesome. But um, it's still not super heavy or super dense. No. It's still drinkable. Um, it's scarily so. I'm, I'm trying to see if I can find where the ABV is because I want to see where this one this one fell at. I'm guessing this is ten and change. 
Let's see. I hope I'm right. Put myself on the spot here. Well, Derek, this is right. inter- internet wizardry. No, yeah, I'm not sorry. always right. In my brain, I am, but 11 2. Oh, <laughs> just a bit outside, tried the corner and missed. <laughs> but no, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't drink like that, which is always a compliment to have that. Like you, there's no burn. Like in the aroma, like when it, you might have first took a whiff of this, like you're expecting, all right, there's going to be a lot of barrel coming through. It's going to have a little bit of heat on the back end, and there's absolutely none. It still is super easy drinking, and, and even being in those double digits like that, I mean, it's just, it doesn't come across that way at you're, all. You're getting a ton of the barrel, you're getting a ton of the bourbon, but it's almost like it was um, flambéed to where it burned off the alcohol, to where you're getting still getting the kind of, you know, vanillas and your cherries, and you're getting a barrel yeah, with a little bit of char and, and all that kind like of stuff. Almost like a little bit of port, kind of, like that sweetness, yeah, like a yeah, port. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's a carbonated... It's a carbonated, watered-down, like a sherry kind of vibe you're getting yeah. from from it, rather than a beer. It's still beer. But, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah. It's but fun. it's not that. It doesn't have that burn because you know we've had bourbon barrels on it. Because that's the thing. A lot of those beers are almost meant to be aged because you want that to kind of fall off and, and become what this is is just like melted into the flavor profile and the aroma that it's present. But you want it to kind of age that way because a lot of times when you get them fresh, and this is this is from this year. This is a 2016 bottle of it. Yeah. And it, it's... So it, it maxing out at three months old. Yeah. At, at, at the, and it's probably not brewed on the 1st of January. And like, yeah, they had it in the barrels for, for 18 months. I mean, like, they, they, it, they just, whatever, however the process is for them doing this is just perfect because right out of the gate, you're getting what you want this beer to be. Like that's it, the thing. A lot of people do, like, I know when I do bottle shares or I'm going to have beers with friends. We kind of taper the bottles, and we kind of figure out, okay, let's do this, this, and this to this beer. And this goes to show you sometimes going opposite end of the spectrum, because we went literally, like, Session IPA, 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 (laughs) red ale with a bit of chilies, and then just flipped the script and went um, barreled. And that contrast going from that to this is fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and it it really makes the sweetness in this really jump out at you. Having, like, going from, like, a spicy flavor profile to jumping into this, like, the sweetness really just comes through right off the bat. Like, it's great in the aroma because, I mean, if you you are a fan of barrel-aged beers, like, and you love that taste and that profile, this is a beer you'll absolutely love because it's just, like, one whiff of this. It comes through dominating. Yeah. And then as you drink it, it's there, and it's, like, a perfectly aged bottle of it. It's like if if you ever... How many people have actually done this? But if you actually have ever sucked on like a um, like a stave or like <laughs> or or like a stave or like a, an oak chip that was been soaked in like whiskey kind of thing, to where you're getting a ton. There's a ton of oakiness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that. It's 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 almost super fresh ingredients. But it makes Again, it, it almost. It, it's nice the way it's done though because it kind of comes across like it's a flavor within the malt. Like that's what's incredible about it. Is it, it they're all intermingling perfectly. Oh yeah. Then like that—that's what you want. Cause, like there's there's a lot that'll like you'll have the oak flavor come through. You have you know the coconut dominating. Like all these different flavors that can come through, but they almost don't. They're almost separate from the beer. These are all as one, which is what makes this so easily drinkable. Cohesive. Yes, and delicious. Which is what I can say <laughs> about pretty much every beer we had today from Breakside. Cohesive and delicious is a is a '80s Coheed cover band. <laughs> Oh, God. So uh, we somehow made it through this. I don't know. After two weeks off, I don't know. We, we didn't, didn't cuss. We didn't uh, completely derail everything. Which <laughs> it is wasn't a- the most cohesive show we've had. <laughs> but <laughs> that's the word of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
All right. So next week, uh, we're going to be back, and we're going to have another great brewery, and we're going to be dipping up into the New England region. We're going to have Mystic Brewery up around the Boston region. Wild, and, wild uh, geese, baby. Good times up there. So George and I are up there. So we'll be getting into all that next week. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next week, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.